is dropped, and it's showtime from downtown Winnipeg. Moxley's pass, a shot, they score! Shankly Cutter scores! What a stop by Hellebach! Nikolai Ehlers on the faceoff! Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. Hello and welcome to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. I'm your host, Tyler Esquivel, and joined, of course, as always, by Jets TV's Mitchell Clinton and 680 CJOB's Paul Edmonds. Uh, gentlemen, before we get to talking about the Winnipeg Jets, it's, it's a very special night here in downtown Winnipeg as it's the Hockey Fights Cancer Night and the annual game on the ice. Um, guys, just this is a special night, you can tell. Uh, Josh Morrissey obviously has a, a very personal and deep connection with this night this year, obviously with the passing of his father, Tom. Uh, just what sticks out to you guys about this night and just why it's so special and touching? Well, the compounds for me as well. Tina Compon, who's been fighting cancer on and off for the last number of years, and the fact that Jamie's by her side, associate coach with the Winnipeg Jets, who has not been able to coach more than two games this year because he hasn't been able to leave her side for appointments and things like that. I have an aunt that was diagnosed about two weeks ago with breast cancer, so we are dealing with that as a family as well. So this is one of those nights where as far removed as you think you can get from it, Everybody is touched by this horrific ailment. Everybody, in some way, shape, or form, past, present, future. So it's a very important night that kind of gets toward the end of Cancer Awareness Month, Hockey Fights Cancer Month in the National Hockey League. It's always a special night in Winnipeg when, when we do it. I say we because we're all involved in it. And the lavender tie. And I think that that color is now synonymous with Hockey Fights Cancer. And I'll be donning mine proudly tonight to help those in any way, shape, or form that I can fight this horrific ailment. All of the proceeds uh, raised over the course of the month of November in the National Hockey League go to different charities locally uh, and internationally to help find cures for cancers and other uh, advanced researches. Uh, You can head to winnipegjets.com and we will have all of the proper links that you need Uh, There's a jersey auction. The Winnipeg Jets will be wearing special HFC jerseys during warm-up tonight. They are beautiful. Also, the Manitoba Moose rocked a very nice lavender jersey on Sunday for their game against the Milwaukee Admirals, and I believe those uh, are on auction as well, uh, raising money for camp quality. Uh, Gentlemen, on to the hockey now. Uh, The Winnipeg Jets coming off a pretty decent week uh, all in all. Obviously not getting the, the results that you want in terms of wins, Mitchell, but two very well-fought games out in Edmonton and Vancouver. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, they, they get the big win over the Edmonton Oilers on home ice, and that was uh, huge for the Winnipeg Jets, just in terms of, you know, they were coming in, the Oilers were, you know, the Western Conference leading team, and uh, of course, there's Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and I mean, what more do you need in terms of getting inspired? And the Winnipeg Jets, through 40 minutes in that one, kept them both off the scoreboard, kept the entire Edmonton Oilers team off the scoreboard. Now, they get the power plays early in the third, and then McDavid and Dreisaitl do their thing, and all of a sudden it's 4-2. But the Jets are able to uh, really just get back to their game. They didn't let that bother them um, and close out a real nice 5-2 win. Then you head into Edmonton, and the amount of times I've watched Paul Maurice post game after that game in Edmonton for a coach that had lost a game, man, like you would have thought Jets won 5 nothing. 
but it was just how the Jets had played in that game, how the Oilers had played. It was a it was two really skilled, real fast teams just playing phenomenal hockey up and down the ice. Of course, Jets would have loved to have left there with two points. They get a well-earned one. And then at the end of that very post-game availability, Paul Maurice says, but I am not worried, but he said, you know, we these two games against Edmonton cost us a lot in terms of energy. And then, boom, they go into Vancouver and they fall 3-2. Now they lose, but controlled shot share, controlled uh, the high danger chance. They basically... You know, in every statistical category, they beat the Vancouver Canucks. The only one that they didn't beat them in was power plays, where they were held off. uh, They didn't get any power play opportunities against the Canucks. But uh, Paul Maurice just kind of said it was, you know, it wasn't so much, you know, energy that was the problem. They were, they were there. They were. It was just execution. Just wasn't quite there. They were just half a step off of it. Um, But still, I mean, came down to the last two and a half minutes. It was one goal game, and uh, the Jets very nearly found the equalizer on that one. So, like you said. Played really well over the course of the the three games. Would have loved a couple more points, of course. But it's crazy to think that over the last 14 games, Jets have points in 12 of them, and the only two regulation losses they've had have been on the back half of back-to-backs. So uh, some great playing so far this month, especially by the Winnipeg Jets. And, of course, they want to continue that this week. The game against the Vancouver Canucks is one of those perfect storm games, too. I mean, Vancouver had rest. They were coming off a a long losing streak. You just could kind of tell and then calling back to Paul Maurice saying they just spent a ton in those two games against Edmonton so the result not a a tremendous surprise I don't think Uh, Paul one thing we're going to start with with you is the team's road record Uh, as of right now they've been on three road trips they sit two three and four which when you look at it you kind of just shrug your shoulders and go okay they probably want to be better but I think it goes back to what Mitch was saying they've liked their game and, and I think a lot of people could agree with that. Just what have you seen from the team on the road as they uh, head on the road uh, coming up this week? Well, the reason I bring this up and when we were talking and kind of show planning for what we were going to talk about, I mentioned to you that it's probably time to talk a little bit about the road record because it was so good last year. It was 17 and 10. It was seven games above 500. And there's that old moniker about playing 750 at home and 500 on the road. And that should be a really good season. And they're, there's a lot of credence to that. That does exist. But if you can improve that road record beyond 500, you're going to have even a better season. And that might mean home ice advantage at some point in the playoffs or right through. So when I look at it now, the first thing that they had to do was improve their home record. And when you look at it, it's pretty stellar. I mean, the Jets come in in this week at 7-1-1 one, and one at home with a game against Pittsburgh to kick it all off. And then they go back on the road. That's great. If they can continue where they are there, excellent. But you're going to find now that you need to get another win or two on the road to better that 500 record where it kind of sits right now. It's one game below NHL 500. But the fact of the matter is, to what Mitchell said, the composition of the way they are playing will lend itself to the fact that they're going to get more results on the road because they're playing every night the same way. And that's what you want. So while the road record doesn't look flattering as it did, comparatively speaking, to last year's, it's still pretty good considering now you're on back-to-backs, you're traveling around, you're flying a little bit more into the States, you're on and out of time zones as the Jets are now. And plus you've got, after the game against Pittsburgh on Hockey Fights Cancer Night, you've got three games on the road again. And you've got a difficult schedule because you go to Columbus and then it's back-to-back with Minnesota in an afternoon game and then into Canada to play Calgary. 
So this is where the challenge becomes that much more important for the Jets to rise to it on the road this year. Because while last year was difficult, you were flitting around Canada and you were only playing in your own time zone at home, there was times where you were playing back-to-back games in Toronto or in Montreal or going to Toronto and Montreal and the travel wasn't that bad with some games in between or to Alberta. So from that standpoint, it was a little bit easier. There was more hotel time. Plus, you're only playing 56 games. You're back to 82 this year. So I look at the road record as being equally as important for the Jets to finish where they want in an uber-competitive central division. And so far, so good. And I think if they continue to play the way they have played in terms of structure and in terms of compete, the road record will improve from what it is right now. Just building on your point there, talking about the consistency in their game over a stretch of time and knowing what they're going to get out of themselves each and every game. Andrew Kopp following practice on Sunday kind of called back to the 17-18 version of the Winnipeg Jets, who obviously we all know the success that group had and just how it reminded him of that time. And, you know, being here for the last X number of years, that was sort of the first time I heard a compare a comparable to that really good hockey team. So uh, hopefully that could continue for the Winnipeg Jets and uh, they can continue having solid, consistent efforts. Uh, someone who is putting out great efforts right now, Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, we can't not talk about him right now. Uh, Five-game point streak, goals in three straight, uh, and they've all been beautiful goals. Uh, 13 points on the season. Uh, Jets have played 17 games, so it's a pretty good percentage. But I think at a certain point earlier on in the year, he was you know down on himself, not scoring at the pace that he was used to, but he seems to have found his game uh, Mitchell, what have you seen from Ehlers and why has he been able to put the puck in the net? Well, Paul Maurice actually revealed a little something-something about Nikolai Ehlers yesterday, uh, yesterday being Sunday, that yes, he had the non-COVID illness that I think uh, was well-known because there was a time there where he wasn't really practicing, but he also had a little bit of a groin injury going on a little bit earlier in the season. So for a guy like Nikolai Ehlers, who relies so much on his skating uh, to be able to make things happen, that's a significant problem. So number one, like good on him for, you know, being able to get himself to a point that he was able to play. Like that obviously health is the main thing, but we always went with Nikolai Ehlers, you're always talking shooter mentality. Now that doesn't always mean, you know, getting the puck anywhere in the zone and putting the puck on net. It doesn't necessarily work like that, but Nikolai is always going to be, in and among the the shot on goal leaders on this team. And you look back at over the course of that five-game point streak that you mentioned, his shots on goal are 6-6-2-3-2. And then you talk about the kind of run he was on without getting rewarded against the the last game that he didn't have a point, November 9th against the St. Louis Blues. He had six shots on goal in that one. So he's got six shots on goal in three of the last six games. Uh, He's a guy that obviously, you know, with the line of Andrew Kopp and Mark Shifley, they've been really good over the last little bit, um, just in terms of what they've been able to generate, not only off the rush, which is clearly, you know, something that the Jets do well, but in sustaining offensive zone time, which is something that the Jets are really focused on this year because you get into the playoffs, as Paul Maurice always says, that rush, those rush chances are few and far between. You have to be able to generate offense in a different way, and that is what not only Nikolai Ehlers, but Mark Shifley and, uh, Andrew Kopp have been able to do as a line together. How long that line stays together, we'll see. Um, because as you know, as, as the season goes on, there's reasons that lines need to be switched. But even if they do get switched, it's something that Paul Maurice can go back to if he wants to. So for Nikolai Ehlers, 
Just a guy that, like you mentioned, basically owns the top right corner of the net at this point. That's where each of his last three goals have gone in, and they've all been spectacular in their own way. But he's always, every single game, just someone to watch because either it's a, whether it's a pass, a shot, a rush up the ice, uh, Nikolai Ehlers is, is someone that is always exciting to watch. And every night when the puck is on his stick, it just feels like, especially right now over the course of this five-game point streak, you just feel like something good is going to happen. Paul, Mitch mentioned it right there. The Lions don't know how long they're going to stay together for, but as it stands right now heading into Monday's game against the Penguins, uh, Adam Lowry centering Yevgeny Svechnikov and Jansen Harkins. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go into it. Just what have you liked about this trio that Paul has put together? Well, I think, guys, it starts with Adam Lowry. He is always the constant on that line. And he even joked about it going back, oh, a few months ago, many weeks ago, about how he's seen Cop get elevated and Tanev moved out and Appleton get snatched off the expansion draft and how he sort of helped. He didn't say help develop some of these guys, but almost he was self-deprecating and saying that anybody that plays with him, there's a bit of a curse there that they always end up somewhere else. Well, there's a reason for that. And Adam's such a humble guy that he's not going to say that, but he makes players better around him. He's a big guy that can skate fairly well, that usually is in the top one or two in face-off percentage for the Jets, so he's reliable there. He plays a hard game. He has some team toughness to him. He has an element of nastiness as well. He's physical. He does all the things right. He's a pro's pro. And, I mean, by extension, look at his dad's an assistant coach, played for a long time in the National Hockey League. So my point is this. You always know, as Paul Maurice talks about, having a place to go, quote-unquote. You always know what you're going to get from an Adam Lowry line. And Adam Lowry makes better players around him. And Jansen Harkins has now found a full-time spot on the left-hand side, and I think he's enjoying that role. And as such, there's no more looking over your shoulder for Jansen as to whether I'm going to be in the lineup from night to night. Therefore, he can go out and play. It's like any coach that tells players, don't think, just react, right? That's what it is. Just go and play the game. You know how to play the game. We're going to adjust some things as we go along, but just go and play. Don't think, just play. And, and Jansen's doing that. And now you've got Evgeny Svechnikov, who's come over from the top line. And this guy was on a, an AHL contract to start before he gets an opportunity to, to play full-time because of some COVID things and some injuries and all that. It worked kind of in a perfect storm for him. Ends up on the top line. Now he's with Lowry. This is an opportunity for Evgeny to show what he can do offensively with some of that skill set that he has. Not defer to... Pierre-Luc Dubois or Kyle Connor, but to make the third line not only a great, reliable checking line, but also a line that can augment with some offense, and that would be generated by Svechnikov. So to me, the balance is there between having a grind guy that's a leader that knows what to do to another guy that's coming up to two guys that are coming up that are both in their mid-20s. I mean, these guys are young guys, Svechnikov and Jansen Harkins. The next layer for either one of those two, and I think it probably might be deferred to Jansen Harkins, is to now take on some penalty kill duties and go out there with Adam Lowry, just like Andrew Kopp did so many years. And Andrew's still being used in that situation. But Andrew's also found himself in the power play. 
So this third line is so invaluable to the Winnipeg Jets because you can put them out there against the other team's best and not have to worry about matching up all the time, especially when you're on the road. And it also, because of that, gives you an opportunity to keep the Shifley or Dubois line away from somebody, even on the road, if you don't want to match up against their best or their checking line. So there's so many things that Paul Maurice has at his disposal because of what Adam Lowry has provided for so many years. And with those, by extension, people around him, and it just happens to be Harkins and Svechnikov. And I just really like the makeup of the line. I think it's really important to the Jets and their start this year. Uh, A quick note before we get to our guest. Chaz Lucius, uh, Paul Stasny, did skate for the first time, I believe, on Monday. That was his first time. He was out with strength and conditioning coach Jake Wolf. Uh, Paul Maurice did say the word good was used, felt good. Uh, so I believe they'll give him a good tug in the next few days, as Paul likes to say, and he will be on the trip. So he could factor into the lineup uh, in the next games ahead. He hasn't played since November 6th. All right, uh, heading over to our guest, uh, our good friend Jamie Thomas. Uh, took some time to chat with Chaz Lucius, the first-round pick from the 2021 NHL draft. He was 18th overall, uh, the University of Minnesota product. Uh, he's played eight games this year. He's got one goal and two assists. I believe he's just coming off a thumb injury, so uh, he had some time to talk with Jamie. Enjoyed this interview. Jet fans, the Canadian Armed Forces jersey auction is now open. Be sure to bid on the military jerseys that were worn during warm-up on November 13th at the Canadian Armed Forces game. All proceeds from the auction go to support military members and their families. Place your bids on these one-of-a-kind collector's items at auctions.nhl.com slash Winnipeg Jets. That's auctions.nhl.com slash Winnipeg Jets. Hi, this is Eric Comrie, and you're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Shaz, what's it like having two parents that are, were pretty good athletes back in their day? Um, obviously, it's, it's really special to have that for sure. I mean, a lot of our athletic abilities, you know, including me and my brother, it comes from my mom and my dad. So, and just advice in general from them, uh, from them being high-level athletes, it's, it's really meant a lot. And I feel, I feel like it's really helped my hockey game and, and as well as my life as well. Well, you didn't really start it in hockey. So what was it about uh, the frozen pond that attracted you to it? Um, so originally I was actually born in Lawrence, Kansas. So didn't really get into hockey until I moved to Minnesota around eight years old and all my buddies were playing it. So I figured hey, I might as well give this sport a try and, and loved it ever since and never looked back. Okay. Well, well here's the thing. Your mom was like a, a basketball standout. So what was her reaction when you said I would like to play hockey? Um, honestly, she was pretty supportive about it. I mean, from a young age, she's always just said, if, if you're going to do something, do something that you're passionate about and love to do. So, uh, I mean, when we, when me and my brother found out that we liked hockey more than basketball, it was, maybe it hurt her heart a little bit, but uh, <laughs> she, she supported us through it. <laughs> now, okay. I read this somewhere and, you, and I want you to confirm if it's true or not. Your mom taught you guys how to skate. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. Actually. Yep. Yeah. She'd get on the ice with us. We did. We'd practice stopping and starting because we started hockey so late. So we basically spent a, a summer just like learning how to stop and start and, and skate. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty crazy. That's that, that's a really cool thing for your mom to do. That's for sure. Um, okay. So 
I know the recruiting rules have changed a lot since you were, uh, you know, an early in your early teenage years. But what was the recruiting process like for you and your brother? Um, obviously, the recruiting process. Um, I mean, it went great. Uh, obviously, my brother now uh, he just signed uh, for the University of Minnesota yesterday, so that was pretty cool and exciting for him as well. Uh, but I mean, the recruiting process was, was nothing but great. I mean, ever since I was a little kid, I, I loved to play for the university of Minnesota one day as a part of my hockey career and hockey journey. So I'm, I'm glad I've, I've had the opportunity to, you know, start playing for them. So it's, it's been really cool and exciting. Well, what's the thought process or what's the excitement level for you to eventually one day play with your brother on the same team? Yeah, it's definitely pretty exciting. I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to that day growing up. Uh, me and him were always on the same team and on the same line. Uh, so I'm excited for for uh, us to come together again and, and play play hockey together. It was a long process for you uh, in your draft year, and we'll get, get to that in a second. But, I mean, do you feel like you've talked about your injury so much that you'd rather not go back to there again? Um, yeah, I've definitely talked about my injury a fair share of times for sure. But, I mean, it's something that, I mean, I don't mind talking about, but definitely, definitely have talked about it more than enough for sure. <laughs> well, we're not going to go there on that part of it. So I'm going to ask you, what were the four months previous to the NHL draft like for you, Chaz? Um, it was pretty hectic and intense. I was almost doing like a call a day. Um, just a lot of questions about my knee, uh, a lot of questions. Um, and then just a lot of excitement too. Um, I guess around the house. Uh, I mean, it's something you dream about as a kid and uh, to hear my name called was, was pretty special. Did, how much of a sense did you have that it was going to be the Jets? I, I knew obviously you talked with a lot of teams, but where did the Jets fit into the fact that where you felt confident that if you slid that far down, that you would, would you would end up being a Jet? Um, yeah, I mean, I honestly, I felt pretty confident about it. I mean, I felt like from the interview process, they really liked me as a player and as a person. So I felt like if I ever, if I ever got there, that'd be a great spot to go. And I mean, I'm, I'm very happy to be a Winnipeg Jet. Okay. So you're a first round draft choice. You come from a quality family. You're a golden gopher. You sound very similar to Blake Wheeler. Does that come up every once in a while for you? <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. It, it, yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> yeah. So how do you respond? I mean, you're, you're different players, but you kind of have the same path and kind of the same background here in some ways. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously he's a little taller than me as a player, uh, but <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, there is a lot of similarities with the pass uh, we're taking and obviously him playing for the Winnipeg Jets right now. I was drafted by the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, you know, both University of Minnesota. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And I mean, that is pretty cool and exciting. Is there a lot of stuff of, of Wheeler around the University of Minnesota dressing room and in, in, in the rink, Chess? Uh, yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. <laughs> a constant reminder. <laughs> yeah. So what have the past four months after the draft been like for you? Um, after the draft, uh, just preparing for the season to start and, and trying to play the best hockey I can for the University of Minnesota has, has kind of been my main focus. And then obviously school starting as well. Are you uh, a big, uh, you know, is education important to you, Chess? Oh, uh, yeah, it is important to me. I, I, I really like school and, and feel like um, at least college hockey is the path for me to go so I can get the education and obviously play hockey. And what are you taking? Uh, business marketing and education. 
Oh yeah, man, that's serious stuff. So yeah, um, <laughs> we hear a lot about Michigan, Michigan, this Michigan, that where did the golden Gophers lie, you know, fit in right now in that hierarchy of, of, of men's hockey south of the border of the NCAA? Yeah, I think we're right there with them for sure. I mean, on any given night, you know, we, we can beat any given team. So, mm. I mean, given that, I mean, I think we have a really good team this year. I feel like we can go really far and, and I'm looking forward to see how we put it together towards the end of the year and continue to. What's the biggest difference with college hockey as compared to playing with the U S development team? Um, I'd probably just say the biggest thing, just older competition. Uh, mm. But for the most part, I mean, keep to my game and, and try to play the best hockey I can for my team. Are you back to where you feel you were before your injury? Uh, yes, I am. I, I do feel like I'm back to where I was. Is it is now that you've had a little setback with your with your thumb? How frustrating was that to have to deal with after everything you got to to get where you are? Um, yeah, it was it was pretty frustrating for sure. I was playing a couple games on a hurt on my thumb, uh, like being hurt, so that wasn't great. And I just tried to tough it out, tough it out. But finally, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Something's wrong with my thumb. Uh, so. I mean, when I found out that it was hurt, it, it kind of sucked. But, I mean, at the same time, I mean, there's nothing you can really do about it besides have a positive attitude and build off of it. Well, we know a lot about Jimmy Roy up here. He's a legend. Uh, what's it been like dealing with him uh, from time to time? Yeah, he's been awesome. He's, he's, a, he's a great supportive guy. Um, I mean, he's, he's been nothing but great ever since I got drafted. And, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to continue to working with him. Are the, are the conversations short, Chaz, or how, are the, how do they change from time to time? Um, I'd say every conversation is a little different. Obviously, less conversations right now since I'm not playing any games and I have a hurt thumb. But, mm. um, I mean, I mean, just anything. I mean, I feel like I can call him at, at any given time if I have a question or I, whatever the case may be. I feel like he's a great support system for me. And now, since I mean, you're in a little bit of downtime. What, what does Chaz Lucius do to, to pass time while he waits to get back into the lineup? Uh, so I'm skating every day. I can't shoot or stick handle right now, but just skating, just keeping my cardio up and, and working out and lifting every single day. And are you a, a guy that watches a lot of hockey or like when you're away from, from the ice, Chaz, or what other things do you take in? Yeah, I try to watch a lot of hockey, honestly. I Probably a game or two a night, I mean probably a game of night, just turn it on and see what's happening around the league and also follow the league. Um, last one for you. And I'm sure you get this all the time. Who's the better hockey player, you or Cruz? <laughs> um, I mean, I'll, I'd like to say myself, but Cruz would probably say himself, but I mean, I feel like we're two different players. I'm more of a shooter. He's more of a passer. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'll, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> does it get heated i guess is i know i said i had one last one for you but does it get heated ever in the lucius household with the brothers oh yeah uh we're two really competitive guys so uh yeah it's tough i mean we're always doing something competitive where it be ping pong shooting pucks uh, whatever the case may be it's it's always competitive with me and my brother <laughs> Chaz, appreciate the time and uh, all the best and we hope to talk to you soon awesome thank you appreciate it Shop where the players shop. Jetsgear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jetsgear locations or shop online at TrueNorthShop.com.
All right, well, the Winnipeg Jets get set for four games this week as we record this on Monday, obviously, Monday night, 7.30 p.m. down at Canada Life Centre. Uh, get your tickets for all Winnipeg Jets games at winnipegjets.com slash tickets. So, yes, 7.30 on Monday night against the Penguins, and then they head out on the road for an intriguing matchup with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, and then the game I'm most excited for on this road trip is the Friday afternoon Thanksgiving matchup between the Minnesota Wild, as everyone knows uh, what happened in Minnesota to start the year. So the Jets will be looking to uh, avenge that tough uh, that tough game. And then also they close out the road trip with a back-to-back Saturday night in Calgary. Uh, Mitchell, uh, what are you looking forward to on this trip? I think there's many areas you can go here. Well, it's hard to look past Pierre-Luc Dubois returning to Columbus. Uh, there's going to be that. Obviously, that was that was also going to be the situation where Patrick Laine would play against the Winnipeg Jets for the first time. He's injured, and, of course, we want to send our condolences to him and his family as uh, they lost uh, Patrick's father, Harry, uh, a little bit earlier this week. So, obviously, best of wishes to him and his family in that regard. Um, yeah, and certainly, I think for, for Pierre-Luc Dubois, that's going to be uh, a night that he'll he'll remember I'm sure it's been circled on his calendar for for quite a while so will be interesting to kind of see how it goes whenever uh I say we as in you know we're the people that bring him there but whenever you know a, a player returns to like his old team or his old hometown just to kind of see the uh the coverage that he gets I mean even Adam Lowry in Calgary gets you know like a big scrum around him what used to be a scrum I guess uh so that'll be an interesting game for sure uh, the yeah the Thanksgiving Friday or American Thanksgiving Friday afternoon games I always love they're great I they're hope fantastic. oh that would be the main thing um, also interesting that the Wild are going to be using uh, an Indigenous art uh, warm up jersey uh, remember when we were there earlier in the season uh, I was asked about the uh, the Wasac logo pen that I had on and I'm sure it was something that was you know in development because these things take a while they worked with some Indigenous communities down there to put together these jerseys, but I just thought it was interesting that I was asked about it, and then all of a sudden uh, they've got these jerseys for, for warm-up. So that's a really cool thing. I'm looking forward to seeing those. And then I I don't know if I've ever done a back-to-back like this, where it's 2.30 in the afternoon, and then you're crossing back into the uh, the mountain time zone to for a 9 p.m. game against the Calgary Flames. I was trying to think, like, will they have a morning skate? Because usually on back-to-backs they don't, but your first half of your back-to-back is rarely an afternoon game, so maybe they will. I don't know. Uh, it'll be something to watch for. And Calgary's been a team that's really intriguing this year. Off to a, just an absolutely fantastic start. Um, so it'll be... Seven shutouts. Yeah. It's nuts what they've been able to do uh, with their goaltending duo. And then, I mean, that's some that's some Sutter hockey, I guess, is what, is what a lot of tweets that I saw about them. <laughs> so uh, interesting to go up against the Calgary Flames and then also talk to former Jets TV member Ryan Dittrich. That is one of the big perks about going to Calgary as yes, well. This so is true. You get to hear his takes on the squad. Uh, so, yes, obviously an interesting uh, road trip with Columbus, Minnesota, and Calgary, but a number of things to look forward to for the Jets. All right, Paul, we'll close the show out with you. Um, let's talk about player personalities. There's many different avenues we can take with this, and I think what sort of causes me to ask this question is, Yevgeny Svechnikov wore the mic uh, for Jets TV last week. Which was well done, by the way. Thank you. And that has nothing to do with me. That is all Yevgeny. I just I just edit the thing. But so my point being is Paul was then asked about it on Sunday at practice. 
and just you know not so much the mic'd up itself but just the importance of having those personalities in the room you also spent a lot of time with the Winnipeg Gold Eyes where guys are together and tight on the bus and you know not traveling in the the lap of luxury like the Winnipeg Jets are in some cases. So just how important is it to have guys like a Schmidt, like a Svechnikov, and other personalities that balance the other, the, the really high-energy ones out that create a positive environment and a culture that, you know, brings players together and then has translates to that on-field, on-ice success? I think the most important part of it is those personalities have to jive with, and let's face it, there's different groups in every office environment and a dressing room in the National Hockey League is no different. Everybody gets along, but there's some guys that just gravitate to other guys better and there's little groups here and there, right? They can all come together, but those guys, those personality guys, those unique sort of individuals, if you will, have to be the glue guys that, that everybody likes, all those groups like. They get along with everyone. And you just can't, have an environment where everybody is just so serious all the time it's stoic they're robotic it's too long of a season you're together too often too much and you're there more than you're with your family so you have to have those guys that make you laugh pick you up make you feel better um, can have a joke certainly can do an imitation just to lighten the mood all the time and Paul Maurice was talked about or talking about sort of that kind of scenario where the leaders just can't be talking all the time. The guys that are wearing a captain or, or an assistance letter on their lapel just can't be the ones talking all the time. So you have those guys that are more loquacious, like Svechnikov, like Schmidt, and even Brendan Dillon to some degree, kind of a bigger personality, but very calming and, you know, likes to have a laugh or two too, but somewhat serious at the same time, but understands when you need to turn it on and off. And that's the thing that I think is most important about a guy like Nate Schmidt is that you might characterize him as looking around like some of the court gesture type of, you know, uh, individual or personality, but he knows when to flick the switch, when it's time to play and when it's time to be serious. And those guys I think are vital and important to your group. Everybody needs the scorers and everybody needs the grinders and everybody needs for a championship team, some guys that lighten the mood and bring everybody together. And that's not the difference because the jets have had those types of guys before. I just don't know that they've had an abundance of them like they have with this group or the uniqueness of the personalities that you have kind of spread out over a few different guys, as opposed to just one guy, say like a Dustin Bufflin. So very important to the structure of a team and I think that we're seeing the results of that, that this group is pretty tight together, enjoy being with each other, because I think it's not just reliant on one or two guys to bring everybody together. It's reliant on a number of different guys that can then meld and, and coagulate everybody together as a team. Well, I've enjoyed coagulating with you guys here <laughs> there we go. on this podcast. Uh, great word, by the way. Uh, that'll do it for us here on Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets, tons of home games coming up in December as well. WinnipegJets.com slash tickets. Uh, on behalf of myself, Tyler Esquivel, Jets TV's Mitchell Clinton, and 680 CJOB's Paul Edmonds. Thanks so much for downloading. We appreciate it every week. You guys have yourself a great week, and go Jets go. This has been Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. 
For Jets news, videos, and more, head to WinnipegJets.com. Proceed with Abel.